I'm glad you're here. Welcome to today's program, which is part three of Exploring Evidence, evidence that helps us discover and live in life-giving truth. I'm Pam Christian, the host of this program known as Faith to Live By. If you've listened before, then you know I'm not about faith fluff, and I'm not about feel-good messages that tickle the ears. I boldly speak the truth in love, wanting us to possess a confident faith that will see us through any adversity life brings. With this series, Exploring Evidence, we are considering objective, verifiable evidence that supports the Bible and the Christian faith. The Christian faith is far from blind faith, as many people believe. In fact, there is more evidence, verifiable and objective evidence, in support of the Christian faith than there is any other religious belief system. And this year of 2020, and even as we move into 2021, our faith has been severely tested. My goal is to help you, to help us all, have a confident faith that's unwavering and with all the certain hope such faith provides. Last week, we explored evidence for miracles as we see recorded in the Old Testament with my guest, Tim Mahoney from Thinking Man's Films. Tim has spent years exploring archaeological and historical evidence in support of the many miraculous Old Testament events. If you've missed the program, I highly recommend it. This week, I want to consider evidence in support of the spiritual gifts we learn about in the New Testament. The enemy wants to keep God's people ignorant about many matters. He wrecks confusion among us to prevent us from the victory Christ died to give us. So we must be intentional about pursuing truth as never before. There are great and terrible things underway where God is exposing corruption and deception in order to reveal truth and implement His justice. This entire year of 2020, and most definitely moving into 2021, we can expect to see mighty moves of God. And if we confidently know the truth, we can rebuke fear and instead take our rightful place in God's plan where we will see God's kingdom will done on earth as it is in heaven. Because there are two camps within the Christian faith concerning the spiritual gifts, today's message is imperative because the days we are living in are filled with evil. But before I get into the message, I want to remind you about my special Christmas giveaways. I'm really excited about it. Five of you who enter the drawing will receive the brand new Abide Bible from Thomas Nelson Publishers. This Bible is created to help experience the promise of Jesus in John 15:4, where he explains if we abide in him, he will abide in us. The Abide Bible is about helping us benefit from genuine scripture engagement. The features are designed to help us absorb the word of God in a transformative way. There will also be two others who will win a copy of my revised award-winning book, Examine Your Faith, Finding Truth in a World of Lies. That book is endorsed by Josh McDowell, among others. Be sure to listen through to the end of the program to learn how you can enter to win. Now, about spiritual gifts. There are three categories of spiritual gifts, motivational, ministerial, and manifestation gifts. While I believe God uses all three categories of gifts to minister to His church, there are some Christians who do not believe the super-manifestational gifts are for today. They believe the supernatural gifts ceased with the death of the last apostle who had ministered with Jesus during His earthly life. These Christians are called cessationists. Christians who believe the supernatural manifestation gifts are available today are known as continuationists. I'm a continuationist, not so much because of what I've actually seen occur in the realm of supernatural gifts, but because of what I've learned from applied study of the Bible. It may seem strange to some that I'm both an apologist and a charismatic, 
but I believe this combination actually allows us a proper balance between rational thought and spiritual reality. I ask you to listen today with both your rational mind and your spirit as we explore the evidence for miracles, more specifically the supernatural gifts we read about in the New Testament. Before I ever studied to write my book, Renew Your Hope, Remedy for Personal Breakthroughs, I had a simple defense as to why I believe all the gifts are available to the church today. Since the Bible is clear that during the end times all manner of evil and wickedness will increase, and since Christ died so we can have victory over evil, it makes absolutely no sense that God would remove any of the spiritual gifts, leaving us with a reduced ability to overcome evil. That was enough for me to believe all the supernatural gifts are available and are needed more today than during Christ's life on earth. Additionally, the Bible clearly warns us to be aware of counterfeits. Any warning of a counterfeit means legitimate exists. Just because counterfeit $100 bills exist doesn't mean we should avoid all $100 bills. No, it means we need to learn how to discern the real thing from the fake. With a discerning faith, we can partner with God in spiritual matters and enjoy the victorious life Christ died to give us. Quoting from my book, Renew Your Hope, quote, By definition, a victorious life is one that overcomes opposition. If there is no opposition, there is nothing over which to have victory. End quote. Isn't it funny how some of the most simple thoughts can be the most profound? Opposition in our lives is intended by God to build, strengthen, and increase our faith. I've said before, faith is like a muscle. The way we build muscle is by resistance training. We must deliberately engage our muscles with weights or machines, then use our muscles to resist the weight, to build the muscles. Muscles that do not experience opposition will atrophy. Well, this analogy of muscle building for faith building is one that can really help us better face opposition when it occurs. Unbelief is a condition certain to prevent God from working in our lives. He will never work against the human will. Many who profess Christianity choose not to believe that miracles or supernatural gifts are available today. With this in mind, I believe anyone who does not believe the supernatural gifts are available today will simply not experience them. However, this doesn't mean they don't exist. Rather, it means the person who has made up their mind are simply experiencing what they believe. However, if they were ever in need of a miracle, I utterly doubt they would reject one if it was given to them. We all receive according to what we believe, so I think it's completely unwise not to believe in the supernatural gifts. You never know when you're going to need a miracle. Remember, Christ's disciples were not successful in all they attempted, especially early in the exercise of their faith and spiritual gifts. And Jesus himself was hindered from working miracles among people from his hometown who did not believe. Unbelief is a deadly poison. Consider the passage from Matthew 17, verses 14 to 21, when the disciples asked Jesus why they were unable to deliver a boy from demons. Jesus clearly stated, quote, because of your unbelief, end quote. In some texts, it reads, because of your little faith. However, in this passage, which is often incorrectly taught, Jesus goes on to say, quote, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you, end quote. Then some, only some texts, add a phrase to verse 21, quote, But this kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting, End quote. Many people teach that this last phrase, because this kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting, 
is referring to the demons the disciples were trying to cast out. But this is incorrect. Jesus had already answered the reason they could not cast out the demons was because of unbelief or little faith. So the correct interpretation of the added last phrase is, This kind of unbelief in you, dear disciples, does not come out without prayer and fasting. Unbelief in what is true and from God hinders our experience. Similarly, belief in matters that are not true and therefore from the enemy will also adversely impact us. So let what I'm about to share be received with an open mind. Each of the three categories of spiritual gifts are used by God today. God uses motivational gifts to work in a believer, to shape his perspective on life, to motivate his words and actions. Romans 12 verses 3 to 8 supports this. God uses ministry gifts to work with what a believer does to serve and meet the needs of others. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13 and 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 31 are examples. Manifestation gifts are how God works through a believer in a given situation to demonstrate his supernatural power. Referencing the work of the Institute in Basic Life Principles, I want to help us understand spiritual gifts. I'll have a link for their website in the show notes. First, motivational gifts. At the moment of salvation, a believer receives at least one of seven motivational gifts. These seven are prophecy, serving, teaching, exhorting, giving, organizing, and mercy. This gift of God's grace shapes how the believer views life, relates to others, and impacts the body of Christ. Now let me take just a minute to review each one of these seven gifts. Prophecy reveals truth by exposing sin so that fellowship with God can be restored and or maintained. Serving demonstrates love by meeting practical needs, usually through tangible work. Teaching discovers and validates truth so that the church maintains accuracy. Exhorting encourages Christians to grow spiritually by discipling, teaching, and counseling others. Giving conserves and shares resources in order to meet needs. Organizing carries out projects by recruiting workers, organizing tasks, or delegating responsibilities. Mercy demonstrates God's love and compassion by responding to hurt. Now let's consider the ministry gifts. Ministry gifts are the tools God uses to build up the church. They are the practical, essential, can-do type gifts. Ephesians 4, 11, 13 explains, He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting work of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. End quote. You might also want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 to 31. These five gifts are often referred to as the fivefold ministry of the church. Ministry gifts are often confirmed by ordination. There has been a long-standing debate if pastor and teacher is a combo gift. This debate is based on the original Greek language. I'll provide a link in the show notes where you can explore this more for yourself. While some believe pastor and teacher are two sides of the same gift, I haven't experienced that to be true. Some pastors are simply not good at nurturing, but they're great at teaching. So I think pastor and teacher are two different ministry gifts, and some people can be given both pastor and teacher anointing. Manifestation gifts are supernatural demonstrations of the Holy Spirit's presence and power. 
The Holy Spirit is the source of these gifts, which are manifested in people for the benefit of others and the glory of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7-11 to 11 reads, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. In this passage, we see nine different gifts. Notice how the gift of prophecy is considered both a ministry gift and a manifestation gift. The Greek word for gift of prophecy is propheteia, which is the ability to receive a divinely inspired message and deliver it to others in the church. These messages can take the form of exhortation, correction, disclosure of secret sins, prediction of future events, comfort, inspiration, or other revelations given to equip and edify the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 3 to 4, and verses 24-25 help us understand this. Prophecy in ministry, the words spoken, do not constitute the authoritative word of God, but are the human interpretation of the revelation that was received. They are spoken in human words through a human mind, which is why they must be tested against the scriptures. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 20 to 21. However, with manifestation prophecy, the Holy Spirit gives the gift to some believers to make God's heart known and to edify the church. This gift is for the benefit of both believers and unbelievers and is a sign that God is truly among his church. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 22 to 25. Those with this gift are sensitive to both the prompting of the Holy Spirit and the needs of the church today. They should be humble and continually study the scriptures in order to test these revelations before speaking them. When they do speak, they should allow and even expect others to weigh what was said against scriptures and interpret the message accordingly. In this way, the church may be continually built up together in unity. Scriptures that help us better understand include Romans 12, 6, 1 Corinthians 12, 10, chapter 14, verses 1 to 5, and verse 26, Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, and 1 Peter 4, verses 10 to 11. I'll have these in the show notes for your additional study. Each Christian has a set of gifts to equip them to fulfill their created purpose on earth and to further God's kingdom. These gift sets are unique, valuable, and much needed in the body of Christ. And as the Apostle Paul admonished, none of these gifts are of any value unless they are based on and operate from God's love. Many people, and I was one, are actually frustrated concerning spiritual gifts. Many churches don't adequately teach about them. Many pastors don't lead their congregants into discovering their spiritual gifts. And many churches don't provide an atmosphere of exercising spiritual gifts, leaving Christians without adequate direction and guidance. Barna Research conducted a survey in which the attitude of Christians concerning the supernatural gifts reveals the frustrations for Christians for not having a confident faith concerning the miraculous. Barna wrote, quote, There is ample room for growth in people's knowledge and application of spiritual gifts. Imagine what might happen if nearly half of all believers had a clear and firm conviction that God has given them a supernatural ability to serve Him in a specific manner. If more believers understood the nature and potential of that special empowerment, 
the global impact of the Christian body would be multiplied substantially. One of the functions of the local church is to help believers understand who they are in Christ and how to live the Christian life more fully. Focusing on spiritual gifts, what they are, who has them, how to discover one's giftedness, and how to use gifts most appropriately could ignite a movement of service and influence unlike anything we have experienced during our lifetime, end quote. Barna's survey also revealed 425% increase in the percentage of believers who have heard of the gifts but claim they do not have one and expressed why this is cause for alarm. Barna reported, quote, The perception that God has prepared others for special service to his kingdom but has left them out of the process is not just inaccurate but harmful to the church. Some believers feel an acute sense of disappointment that they have been spiritually discriminated against while others use the perception as an excuse to let the gifted believers serve. Educating those ignorant of God's promise to provide them with special endowments for service could transform the self-perceptions and the personal ministry of millions of believers, End quote. Looking at world events this year, don't you agree we need Christians to step into their God-intended kingdom roles? Don't you long to have your life make a difference, a kingdom difference in this fallen and corrupt world? I've been prophesying that the beginning of the Hebrew decade 5780, which began September 2019, God has established a major reset, reclaiming his church and positioning his people to be the righteous influence on the world he has always intended. God has been exposing the corruption to administer justice while he's been preparing his people to take back territory we have permitted the enemy to have. What about you? Are you among those who feel disappointment concerning spiritual gifts? Do you expect others to display spiritual gifts but not you? I want to encourage you to choose to meditate on what God's Word actually has to say about every believer instead of listening to the doubts, fears, and lies of the enemy. The enemy doesn't want you to discover your whole truth, your spiritual abilities in Christ, because he knows you would be greater empowered. And I will add, if after hearing this message, you still choose not to explore your spiritual gifts, you're setting yourself up for defeat. Seek the input from those who know you well. Ask them, what do they see in you? What abilities or giftedness do they see? Ask yourself, what am I naturally good at? What do I enjoy doing even if it's difficult? What am I passionate about? Questions such as these, while asking the Holy Spirit to reveal your gifts and talents, are sure to help you in the process of discovery. My book, Revive Your Life, Rest for Your Anxious Heart, offers you more about discovering and operating in your spiritual gifts. I'll provide a link to the book in the show notes. Also, check with your pastor or church leaders. They may have a spiritual gift assessment that they prefer. If not, I really like what's called Chazone, and I'll have a link to that spiritual gift assessment in the show notes as well. Then, once you know your gifts, begin to prayerfully practice them. Ask God to show you opportunities to step out in faith. Of course, you'll be wobbly at first. You're learning how to walk by faith. But if your faith is solidly rooted and grounded in God's written or Logos word, you'll have a greater confidence to act on his spoken or rhema word. What if you fail? What if you prophesy and it turns out wrong? What if you're inspired to minister to a person on a matter that they claim does not exist in their life? What if you felt compelled to decree healing over someone, but they do not get healed? Do you shrink back in defeat? No, absolutely not. Understand what I'm about to say. Please listen carefully. It is disobedience, not 
failures that bring consequence. I think that's worth repeating. Is disobedience, not failures, that bring consequence. If you feel led by God to operate in a spiritual gift and you don't obey, there will be consequences. If you act of your own volition to decree a matter instead of being led by God, there will also be consequences. But if you are genuinely in your heart seeking to hear and obey God, even if you don't get it 100% right, God will still bless you. He knows your heart. He knows your motives, and he responds accordingly. Jesus didn't impose consequences on the disciples who failed to deliver the boy from demons. Instead, he taught them what was missing and how to gain the belief they needed. What did we say earlier? This kind of unbelief in you, dear disciples, does not come out without prayer and fasting. As we step out in an effort to exercise our faith, we will encounter some times of failure, just as the disciples did. We simply need to seek the Holy Spirit and learn from our mistakes. And, as Charles Spurgeon taught, failures should serve as a means of causing us to want to learn what is preventing us from advancing. The disciples all went to Jesus to inquire of him when they were unsuccessful in casting out demons. Failures should cause us to examine our heart attitudes. Could the disciples have become complacent, thereby reducing their expectations to more of a mechanical or rote expression? Such would displace a proper expectation of belief. Realization that we have lack and need assistance reminds us of the superiority of our master and turns our focus to him. Our recognized inadequacies should drive us to want more of Christ, learn more, press in, and get hold of the more we need. When we are baffled, as the disciples were about why they were unsuccessful to do a certain thing by faith, we must go to the Father to learn why. It may be that we've acquired a measure of doubt, fear, or unbelief. I really appreciate that perspective from Charles Spurgeon. Do you know what makes for a New Testament false prophet? It's not if what they predicted fails to come to pass. It is if what they prophesy leads people away from God or into a wrong understanding about God or if the prophecy is contrary to the written word of God. That's what makes a false prophet. Now, I really want to stress the importance of you discovering, exercising, and developing your spiritual gifts, especially in the days in which we live. As evil increases, and we've seen plenty of that this year, the need for faith-wielding Christians must also increase. I believe we have entered the time Bob Jones called the Billion Soul Harvest, where we're going to see people from all walks of life awaken to the truth of Jesus Christ. I believe the convincing acts that will attract people to Jesus will include Exposure of corruption in all the seven mountains of society. Exposure of greed and power-mongering and crimes among those who have been held in high esteem. Exposure of the vilest of evils that have been conducted in our midst. Confirmation of the truth through supernatural signs and wonders. Administering of justice to heal our nation and extend healing to the nations of the world. And healing, miraculous, wonderful healing to God's people. Every spiritual gift will be required to operate, to minister to people the truth of Jesus and disciple them on how to function in their newly transformed life. I've had concern for the church as the days we live reveal more and more, and I wrote my most recent book, Prepare for the Harvest, God's Challenge to the Church Today, as an alarm to provide some direction the church must take to be effective in these days. Now, one last point for this podcast. According to research, nearly 8 in 10 Americans believe in miracles. 
This is a 55% increase from 45% over the last two decades, even as church affiliation has dropped over that same period, according to the article by Bill Sherman, a world religion writer and a member of the Pew Research Center. What does the research reveal? It reveals Orthodox Christian faith is diminishing and acceptance of spirituality is increasing. If true, this creates an atmosphere ripe for the counterfeit signs and wonders. Acceptance of spirituality without a proper understanding of truth is dangerous. I'm sure we'd all agree both good and evil coexist in this world. The forces behind these two realities then are either good or evil. However, if we don't have a grid or a standard to help us discern good from evil, but we embrace spirituality, people can subject themselves to the spiritual forces of evil who masquerade as angels of light. Without ability to discern what is a good spirit and what is an evil spirit, we are subject to entertain any and all spirits. This is a matter we must be keenly aware of and work to help other people understand. The need to present the gospel today is greater than any other time in my life. I hope today's podcast has fortified you in your faith to intentionally partner with God to find your place and purpose in His kingdom plan, actively discovering and using the spiritual gifts God has given you to fulfill your destiny and see God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need every one of us to step into our rightful place and partner with God in this day more than any other time. Next week, I want to continue exploring evidence with emphasis on prophecy and the probability of statistics, which is one of the more fascinating evidences of our Christian faith. You won't want to miss it. At this time, I want to thank my sponsors, Virtual Shield, that provides you with internet privacy, allowing you to browse the internet without being visible to the marketing traps that will populate and interrupt your future browsing experiences. If you use the link I provide in the show notes, you'll be able to take advantage of a special trial period and subscription pricing. Please visit their site to learn more, knowing it's a sponsor I bring you to help you get the goods and services you need. When you do so, it actually supports me and my ministry. I also want to thank Movi, a wonderful monitoring service that helps parents protect their children from predators and other internet invasions. My listeners have been extended a special 30-day trial period not available to the general public. Just click on the link in the show notes to learn more. And as you look ahead to Christmas gifts for the little ones in your life, consider Leanne Mancini's beautiful children's book series called The Adventures of the Sea Kids. She developed this series to help children eight and younger learn how to live the Christian life. When she was raising her own children, she realized children's books mostly retold the stories of the Bible without actually working to impact the child's character. You'll love this beautifully illustrated, award-winning book series. The link to learn more is also in the show notes. Faith to Live By is a division of Pamela Christian Ministries, LLC, a ministry that offers many different goods and services. I invite you to visit my main website, PamelaChristianMinistries.com, to learn more. Be sure to take advantage of the free resources and bonus items listed on the Charisma Podcast Network and also on my website, faithtoliveby.com. On that landing page at faithtoliveby.com, you'll find the links for all the free resources and recommended resources we've provided in the program. Again, if you've been blessed by my ministry, this podcast, and the other work I do, purchasing the goods and services I bring to you is greatly appreciated. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people 
And of course, that also helps share the gospel around the world. I ask you to follow me on Facebook at Faith to Live By TV, on Twitter at plchristian.com, and on LinkedIn at Pamela Christian. Now, about my Christmas giveaway. Did you think I'd forgotten? Mm-mm. From now until December 16th, you can enter for a chance to win one of my special Christmas giveaways. To enter, email me at faithtoliveby at pamelachristianministries.com with the word Christmas in the subject line and your name and ground mail address provided in the body of the email. I will be awarding two signed copies of my newly revised book, Examine Your Faith, Finding Truth in a World of Lies and five other winners will be awarded the grand prize of the New Abide Bible from Thomas Nelson. This is a beautiful Bible designed to help you really engage your life with the scriptures and experience the transforming power of God's Word. You want a second chance to be a winner? Just subscribe to my bi-monthly e-newsletter, joining any time between November 1st to December 16th to double your chances. Just visit my website, faithtoliveby.com, and use the subscription box on the sidebar. Subscribers in the drawing will be contacted by email if your name is one of the winners. Contest entries are accepted only through December 16th, with the gifts awarded December 23rd, 2020. Don't delay. Get your name in the drawing today. I'm really looking forward to this. And lastly, visit my page for this show, faithtoliveby.com, to enjoy all of the podcasts we've produced so far. I hope you'll join me next week and tell your friends and family to listen right here on Faith to Live By, where we learn how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. Until next week, I'm Pam Christian, asking you to remember, Christ died for us. The least we can do is live for Him.